Hey, hey guys, we're back here on the Living La Vida Low Carb Show with Jimmy Moore. Today's featured audio is Dr. Ken Berry. We'll be right back. Do you ever wonder where your meat comes from? Today, over 80% of beef comes from industrialized processes and companies don't want you to know the source. Now we have a company that cares about where your beef is coming from. They're called CrowdCow. Visit crowdcow.com slash show to learn how they do things differently. They give you full transparency into the independent farms that they work with and whether you're looking for quality grass-fed beef or luxurious Japanese Wagyu, Crowd CrowdCow is the craft meat marketplace. Food transparency is the wave of the future and it gives consumers access to both flavor and choice. We no longer have to put up with CAFO beef and industrialized agriculture. It just doesn't have to be that way anymore. Again, they're called CrowdCow and they source the best quality steaks that you can't get anywhere else in the world. Visit crowdcow.com slash lowcarbshow and they'll give you $25 off of your first order. Be informed, know the source, eat better meat, CrowdCow. Living La Vida Low Carb, this show is changing lives. We talking about your diet, trying to get you feeling right. Cut up them avocados, fry some eggs, time to explore the longest running health podcast hosted by Jimmy Moore. Time to give up the crappy garbage, we're getting into ketosis. Every day is a new step to your goal, yeah, you're getting closer. Motivated and focused, don't stop, just go. Time to get inspiration from the Living La Vida Low Carb Show. Hey, the Living Low Carb Show. Today's featured audio is from the 2018 Low Carb Cruise. Visit lowcarbcruiseinfo.com to learn more about the 2019 Low Carb Cruise, leaving out on May the 31st, 2019 as the 12th annual Low Carb Cruise to the Bahamas. We also have another Keto 101 Cruise sailing out September 28th, 2019. Get full details at lowcarbcruiseinfo.com. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jimmy, for having us. We're very appreciative. Thanks to the Low Carb crew back there for putting this together. This is excellent. Mike, am I okay? Can you hear me well? Is it okay? It's good? It's more than okay. Okay. Is that a hint? Okay. So, I'm Dr. Ken Berry. I'm a, a board-certified family physician in uh, near Nashville, Tennessee. I practice in the woods in a small town called Camden, Tennessee. I've been practicing for over 13 years, just in case you don't know who I am. You're like, who the hell is this guy? Right? Uh, I've seen over 20,000 patients, uh, way more than that, counting the ER and the labor and delivery and all the other things I've done through the years. Um, and so I kept seeing lies that I, I was told as a patient, lies that I told as a doctor early in my career when I was a, 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 a fat, stupid doctor and didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> and that's not a joke. You'll, you'll, if you've read the book, you know what I'm talking about, okay? And so this is going to start out to be about some of the lies that your doctor has probably told you, or if you have a doctor who's not quite up to date, he may still tell you in the present or the future. And then also, I, I really kind of, I'm going to segue about halfway through, and I'm going to talk about what you can do about that. Okay? Because in the end, this is about your life. This is about your health, right? And I, as I say in the book, if you listen, if you take the advice of a doctor, and your health is damaged from that, you, you might sue him, and you might win a multi-million dollar settlement, if you're lucky, because that's not easy to do. But your health is still ruined. You and your family get to suffer for the rest of your life because of the bad advice that you blindly took from a, a doctor who was either unknowing or uncaring or both. And so I'm not here to demonize doctors. Don't think that. What I'm actually, what the entire book is about is trying to wake up you guys, patients, first of all, but then also to wake up doctors and basically say, hey, dude, you need to step up your game because right now you suck. <laughs> but there is a future in which you don't suck. And so you could, you could actually achieve that if you'll wake up and put down the prescription pad and stop watching Fox News and CNN every night and actually do some research, read some papers, read some books, think outside the box, 
etc. So, lies my doctor told me, why your doctor says stupid stuff, and what you can do about it. Okay? And I've got some very interesting uh, visuals that I've collected to, that just can to kind of give you a, a, a feeling of it's not new that doctors st- say stupid stuff. It's not new. It's been around forever since there have been doctors, since there have been witch doctors. They've been saying stupid things, and patients have been blindly trusting and listening and suffering. And I think the days of that, thanks to the internet, thanks to social media that I'll get into later, I think those days are almost over. And especially for you guys, those days are over. Because I don't think anybody in this room is going to go see a doctor and he's going to say, oh, well, just eat more whole grains and and jog and you'll be fine. Who's going to just blindly take that advice? No one. You guys, you guys, you've heard the bell ring and you can never unhear the bell. Right? You know now. And so that's, that's one of the things I love about this way of eating and way of living the most is that once you know, you can't unknow. Right? You can't ever go back. You might, you might fall off the wagon and you might do whatever, whatever, but it won't be long. You know. You just know better. And you're like, no, that's it. I'm done. I'm, I'm going back. I feel like crap. Right? All right. So, so what's wrong with doctors? Doctors are trained in a very rigid, and I'm talking about MDs and DOs, uh, but mainly MDs, uh, allopathic training program that is basically an indoctrination, and it really is. And I look back now, and I can see how indoctrinated I was. Part of the reason for that is when you're a young medical student, no matter how gutsy and, 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 you know, chip on my shoulder you are, when you put on that really short white coat, remember that coat, Ted? The short one, right? Because in, in medicine, the longer your coat, the bigger the deal you are, right? And so when, you, when you're wearing your, your coat that just comes to here, and there's some guy with his, he looks like the, the recent wedding with the train, <laughs> you're like, yes, sir, whatever you say. And so his word is literally gospel. You, you don't have any basis to question. And so you just blindly memorize and move on. That's what you do. Okay, so but here's the problem. We're all just human. All of us, even doctors, even Ted is just human. (laughs) Even Dave. Seriously, no, he really is. He's just he's just a guy. And that's the thing is that you're trying to put this almost demigod status. On this guy, that's just a dude. He's just a guy. He's just a, it's just a, it's just a girl. She just, she just studied really hard and now she's an MD, but she's still just a person, right? And so there are all these laws of human nature that apply to, to you and we're, you know, everybody's ready to apply them to you, but they also apply to doctors. And so a lot of doctors don't like looking in the mirror or reaching in their own pocket. They like to talk about you, but, but I think more and more doctors need to look in the mirror and go, yeah, you know, I'm just a guy. And so I'm, susceptible to all these things. So how can they be so smart? How can doctors be so smart and yet say the dumbest things and, and the most hurtful things, both to the, to the, the soul, the spirit, the, the body? And this is an old French um, cut of, of lobotomies. And so used to, there was a time in the world, in history, where if a boy was too misbehaved, Basically, if he had ADD, or if he was, you know, just a, just a boy, just running around, if too much of that, during the heyday of lobotomies, they would literally take his consciousness away from him for the rest of his life with this procedure right here. That, that you literally, they literally used to do it with ice picks that they didn't wash in between, okay? And so to take his soul, basically, just because he wouldn't sit still and behave. And that was the standard of care at that time. And that's something I'm going to talk about later, standard of care. And so if, if you'd have been a young doctor during this time and you'd come out and said, what are you doing? This is, this is ridiculous. What's wrong with you? You'd have been shown the door as a, as a young doctor because you obviously didn't understand the standard of care and didn't know what you were talking about, right? So the laws of human nature that apply to you apply to me. They apply to, to all doctors they are universal. Here's one law. And some of you guys may know what this is, and I'm going to try to ask a bunch of questions during this because I want you guys to really not only hear me, but I want you to hear me. I want you to 
hear me and feel me, okay? Who knows, has anybody ever heard of the law of the instrument? Do you know what that means? That's right, that's right. You t uh, the human mind tends to think based on what tools you have available. And so, you know, a million years ago, this was awesome because if all you had was a rock, then you needed to think of every single possible way you can use that damn rock. From, from bashing a, uh, an oyster to bashing a skull, you had to be able to use your tools eff effectively as possible or you would become extinct. So that is kind of hardwired in our mind. That's, what, that's how we think. And so if you're a family doctor and a type 2 diabetic who's morbidly obese comes in, you're going to start them on probably two or three or four or five prescription pills to take every day or twice a day, right? Because that's the tools you have. You have the prescription pad. Same patient goes to a bariatric surgeon's office, and he says, oh, you need surgery, because that's the tool he understands, right? Same patient goes to an endocrinologist's office, and they're going to get two injections and a pill, none of which they will ever possibly be able to afford. <laughs> ever, right? And so they just won't take them because they're like, oh, that's $5,000 a month. You know, what, are you joking? But that's the tools that the endocrinologist understands. Now, everybody understands this, but it's, it, can be, it can be very, very subtle. So the law of remuneration, right? And so if I get, say, hey... Go kick Jimmy Moore in the butt. Here's 20 bucks. That's simple. That's, <laughs> but that's simple, right? That's the simple. But drug companies back in the day, back before my time and, and Ted's time, uh, Westman probably remembers this. Back when, when you were a young doctor, doctors would get sent on golf junkets and, and would get, I mean, when I was a resident, they could still buy us textbooks. And so they it was nothing for me to be given a $200 textbook by a drug rep. But at that time, they had already tightened up and you really couldn't do much more than that. And now today, all they can do is give us pens and, and, and post-it notes. That's it. That literally is all they can do. And they can buy us lunch, but that's it, pretty much. But back in the day, they literally tried to buy each individual doctor with, hey, here's, a, here's you know, I'm going to take you out to this restaurant. It's $100 a plate. I'm going to send you on this golf junket if you really prescribed a lot of meds. But now that's over now. So they said, well, we can't do that anymore. So now how are we going to buy doctors? Because when you're a corporation, when you're in business to make money, you're in business to make damn money. That's what you're in business for, right? How can I do that? The doctors are the gatekeepers with the prescription pad. I have to somehow get into their head or get into their heart or get into their pocket to make them prescribe my drug. That's, that's as simple as it gets, right? So now what they do is they pay the expert doctors speaking fees to educate other doctors. Now, see how that sounds much better than, oh, he, he paid for my golf trip to Palm Beach? Sounds better. I mean, at least it's education, or is it? Right? So that's, that's what's happening now, is that we'll have the preeminent cardiologist at wherever will tell us about this new heart drug that everybody needs to prescribe, and they'll pay him ridiculous amounts of money and they'll fund his research lab and they'll endow a chair with his name at some major university uh harvard is i'm always talking about right they'll, he'll get an endowment and so that he's now the dr so-and-so you know memorial chair of whatever and so that's how they do it now and then because young doctors remember the short coat we look up to these guys just like you guys look up to your doctor we look up to them like, oh, he, look at his coat. It looks like Princess Diana. It goes all the way around the corner. It's so long. Right? And so we look up to these guys. And so when, when, when somebody from an Ivy League university says, this is the drug to use for this condition, doctors listen. And so we do that. And then if you, try, if you say to a doctor, why do you prescribe that? And then you push them and keep saying why. About the third why, they get really uncomfortable. Right? Because they don't have any logical basis for prescribing that whatsoever. They're just doing it because that's what the guy with the long coat said to do. And the drug companies have figured that out. They don't have to buy every individual doctor now. They just buy that one. And then he basically teaches all the rest of us. 
because of this right here, the law of authority. We all had a mom and a dad, and whether we loved our mom and dad or hated our mom and dad, you look up to them, right? You, it's, it's literally hardwired in your system to listen to your mom and dad. And so human beings from time unrecorded have been using this law to take advantage of other humans, right? And so the professor will have his glasses and his, and his, you know, his jacket and his pipe, and he just looks the part. And that immediately hits that subconscious part of your brain. He's an authority. He knows what he's talking about, right? Doctors have, what do, they, what, do, what do doctors have? The white coat, stethoscope, right? All that, all the trimmings of authority. And there's a reason that doctors wear that stuff. And that's, they, they know that immediately you start to listen. You're like, oh, he's talking. He's the, he's the guy. I got to listen to him. I got to do what he says. And that's why when you, you guys all have a mom or a dad who you're trying to get on board with this way of eating and with this way of living, and you try to tell them, you shouldn't take that statin, man. That's bad for you. Do you understand now what you're battling? Literally, this is, this is their dad, effectively, right? Their de facto father has told them, their father figure has said, you need this or you'll die. So you're battling their father, this, this law of authority, and you're battling their fear of mortality. You see what I'm saying? You're not going to win that. And then there's another law that I'll get to later, another reason why you're not going to convince your mama and daddy ever. So stop trying. Peely Hunters is the original U.S. purveyor of wild-harvested, sprouted Peely Nuts. With 93% fat content, Peely Hunters Peely Nuts come in four flavors and have the highest fat content of any whole natural food on the planet, and they make for the Earth's perfect keto snack. Peely Hunters' new Expedition Butters now come in three amazing flavors, Keto Classic Pumpkin Spice with Lion's Mane Mushroom and Raw Cacao with Maca Powder, Lightly Sweet sweetened with coconut sugar and lucuma. Try Expedition Butter in the new one-ounce packets. With 200 calories per serving, these convenient, lightweight snacks have no added sugar and are blended with nothing but whole food ingredients to keep your expedition going. Experience Earth's perfect keto snack for yourself by going to eatpeelynuts.com. That's eatpeelynuts, spelled P-I-L-I-N-U-T-S dot com. And use the coupon code LLVLC at checkout to save 10% off of your first order. Wild nutrition, beyond organic, naturally ketogenic, Peely Hunters. Are you looking for a quick keto meal that has not just a little bit of protein in it, but also all the electrolytes, vitamins, protein, fat, and more that will meet one third of your daily needs? Then let me introduce you to Keto Chow. It's a quick and easy to mix shake that is designed to give you a complete ketogenic meal. You're able to customize the calories because you decide how much fat to add. Most people mix it with heavy whipping cream, but you can also use avocado oil, coconut cream, a little MCT oil, or any other fat of your choice. Keto Chow is designed specifically for people on the go to replace one to two meals in their day. It comes in eight flavors, including chocolate, vanilla, chocolate peanut butter, cookies and cream, strawberry, mocha, banana, and salted caramel in both individual meal samples as well as a large 21 meal bag. There's also a sample of all the things bundle that has one of each flavor plus a keto chow blender bottle to get you started. Head on over to jimmylovesketochow.com and use the coupon code LLVLC to get 10% off of your first order. jimmylovesketochow.com the law of the shortcut. So back in the hard days when we lived like this, it was a matter of life and death to find every shortcut, every way to do things the best way or the easiest way, really. But we want to do things the best way, but a lot of times we settle for the easy way, don't we? Right? And so for a doctor sitting on his stool, seeing patient after patient after patient after patient, is the easiest thing for him to sit and talk with you for 30 minutes about diet, about your life, about your stress levels. If you say that, most doctors get immediately very uncomfortable. 
Like I really, I've, if you've got a long list of questions, that makes doctors very uncomfortable, right? If, you, <laughs> if you've printed something out off the internet and took it to your doctor, how many people have made your doctor uncomfortable by taking in, good, I'm glad, I'm proud of you. Thank you for doing that. When I see somebody come in like that, I'm like, yes, good. Somebody's actually really concerned about their one body and their one life, and they're really wanting to do, do this well. But most doctors who their tool that we talked about is the prescription pad, they want to sit down and they want to they chit-chat with you for a minute so it doesn't look like they're just an, a, a complete ass. And then they want to write you a prescription, and then they want to get you the hell out of, out of there so they can get the next patient in. And I'm, I'm going to be kind of blunt with you guys today. Is that okay? I'm going to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit and let you see how doctors think, and that's kind of what this book is about. But that's what they're doing. They want to get you in, say, hey, hey, how you doing? How's, how's your dog? Okay, here's a prescription. I'll see, you. I'll see you in three months, six months. I'll see you in a year, whatever, right? Because that's how we're trained. And that's the tools that we know how to use. Therefore, that's what we do. Just because we're just human. Here's a good one. Dave and I were talking about this yesterday. So, <laughs> I love this slide. Isn't this awesome? So, just because something is associated with something else, and I'm not going to beat this to death, you guys have probably, most of you heard this before, doesn't mean that one caused the other, right? And I actually used the Nicolas Cage swimming pool thing. It's in, it's in, it's in the book. So, uh, but just because there's an association between two things does not mean that one thing caused the other. Now, that may not be obvious to every person, just people out there, right? You got a spouse and you got a dog and you got a job and you don't have time to think about all this crap that we all spend all our time thinking about. They don't think about this. And so if a doctor says, well, you know, elevated cholesterol is associated with heart disease, so here, take this statin. Okay. But that doesn't prove causation. And you guys probably understand that, so I'm not going to dwell on that too much. Anybody not understand that? Everybody gets that. Just because two things are associated, just because there are firemen in the yard of every house that's ablaze does not mean that firemen cause house fires, right? Right, okay. But many doctors, and every doctor should know this. I think, I think that, that, that Westman and Naaman both agree. Every doctor should be taught this, and I wasn't. If I, if I, I maybe zoned out, my ADD maybe kicked in, I don't know, but I don't remember ever being taught this specifically because this is a very valuable tool that every doctor should understand because it would help us look at research in different ways. But I don't think most doctors are ever taught this. I think I was taught about as much about this as I was about nutrition. Standard of care. Now, this is something, I'm going to go into this for just a minute because uh, doctors will know immediately what this means, but you guys may not know. There's a standard of care that's nationwide in the U.S., but also there's actually a community standard of care that can be used against doctors. So you remember, you remember the leeches, right? So let's just say we still did that for everything, because back in the day, they used leeches for everything from syphilis to sore throat to, you know, liver cancer. It didn't matter what you had. They were going to bleed you because that was the standard of care at the day, of the day. And so if you were a young doctor, you just moved to town, and you're like, what the hell is wrong with you guys? How do you think that's going to help a sore throat? What? Right? If you are that guy, then the medical board can actually use something. Say, they will say, you're, and so I'm not going to bleed anybody because that's stupid. I'm not going to bleed you because you got strep throat. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do what actually helps you. The medical board could actually actually descend upon you and fine you or, or put you on probation or even pull your medical license for not upholding the standard of care. It doesn't matter if it's right. Let me say that again. It doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. It's irrelevant. That, like if you went to the medical board and you said, well, bleeding, bleeding people for... Strep throat, stupid. You'd still lose. They don't care about that. It's irrelevant. This is a community thing in, do in doctor world, standard of care. Does that make sense? Do you get it now? It's, it's ridiculous, but it's, it's real. It's a real thing, and doctors have lost their license for doing the right thing, but, but it wasn't standard of care, and they lost their license, or they were put on probation or whatever. So many doctors have suffered from this. 
So everybody knows some of these. A big lie, if you tell, if you tell a big lie, it's actually easier to believe than a little lie for many, many people. And if, especially if you're an authority figure, you're, you need to tell the biggest lie you can come up with, right? And you don't even have to. And so when I say lie, it sounds like they're being consciously deceptive. Doesn't have to be conscious to still be a lie, okay? If your hairdresser tells you, hey, you know, you should eat more whole grains and you should jog every day, that'll, that'll protect you from heart disease. She's just your hairdresser. She has no fiduciary duty to you at all. If you're stupid enough to believe her, that's on you. But when I'm a board-certified, licensed, right, doctor or nutritionist or dietitian, and I give you that same stupid advice, that's a lie from where where I was raised. That's a lie. That's a big, fat lie. Because I should have known better. If I didn't know, I should have found out. That's my job. Just like the mechanics, like, oh, yeah, you need a new transmission. Well, do I? Really? Second opinion, right? And so if you guys, if you guys are not getting second opinions about any big medical decision, please always do that. Even if you love your doctor and trust your doctor with, with your life, which you do, get a second opinion. Because you would with your transmission, why wouldn't you with your body? Right? Because if the doctors bought into what the guy with the long white coat said, even in its standard of care, even though there's no scientific basis for it whatsoever, there's zero logic behind it. You're the one going to suffer. You're the one just got the prescription. You're the one going to have the side effect. You get that? Yeah. The echo of the lie. Now, this is another thing that, that humans, we do this and we can't help it. It's just, and you actually have seen this in the keto community. So once the big guy with the long white coat gives the law from the mountain, this is the medicine that is for this condition, right? Then all the kind of mid-level doctors, their coat just maybe comes to here. You know, it doesn't really, it's not a train. It's just maybe to the knee. Okay, they then start teaching all the doctors and the coats keep getting shorter until you're to the medical student. And he's being taught this too. He or she's being taught that. And they have no basis. They don't know. They have no idea. They just put that white coat on a minute ago. So they blindly believe it, and they start repeating the lie. Then, like right now, kind of. You know the American Heart Association has basically pulled away from calling cholesterol, eating cholesterol, dietary cholesterol. They've pulled away, haven't they, John? They've pulled away from, they don't, it's like if you read their guidelines, it's not in there anymore. They used to say, you don't need to eat any more than this many milligrams of cholesterol a day. But they've pulled away from it now. It's not in there. You can't find it. And then on the American Diabetic Association, if you go and look at their website, they'll have like pretty pictures of like pancakes, whole grain pancakes, orange juice, fresh squeezed, because that makes it better. But then when you click on that to get the recipe, it's a dead link. They've, already, they've pulled it. They're start, they're, they, they all know. And they're pulling this stuff. But when you're at that level, you can't just get on CNN and go... <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That whole cholesterol thing? <laughs> yeah, no, we were wrong about all that. I'm sorry. They're never going to do that. There's never going to be a public retraction. So if you're waiting for that, get over it. Move on. What's going to happen, because this is what I would do if I were at that level. This is what you would do. You would do this. And you're sitting there going, no, I would not. I would tell the truth. No, nope, nope, nope. If you were living their life and walking their walk, you would do the same thing because you would have too much to lose if you just got on CNN and went, God, you just wouldn't do that. That's not how it's done at that level, okay? And so now you've got all these doctors who were medical students. They're still, that's why you're a doctor, just you're a doctor in your town. That's why he's still spouting this stupid crap is the echo of the lie, right? All the big dogs have pulled away from this. They're not, they won't even take questions. That the American Diabetic Association said that they're not in the business of giving dietary advice. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, no, yeah, that's their, their official stance now. They don't give dietary advice. They're all pulling away from this, right? But you don't know that because that's happening at a level that you and I don't function at. 
right? We're several, our, our white coat ain't that long, so we don't get to go into the back rooms. And I'm not, and it's, and in the, the thing you got to understand, the thing that makes it even more difficult to combat is that it's not a conspiracy. Now, yeah, Merck and Pfizer, they, they go, they trying to make billions. That's their job, right? Their board of directors demands it and they will produce. That's what they do, right? But even at that level, they still feel like they're probably doing a good thing. It's like, well, I mean, it don't kill people. I mean, you know, stupid, stupid statin or ignorant statin. I mean, this one's been shown to be 10%, whatever. You get my point? No, but there is no conspiracy. There is no evil doctor going, <laughs> that's not what we're fighting here. What we're fighting is these laws of human nature. That's what we're fighting. And that's why it's so difficult. And that's why it feels like you're just punching the water and making no, no headway whatsoever is because you're fighting human nature. And I'm going to tell you how, how we can be more effective at it here in a minute. Here's another one. So if something is less bad, then that must make it good, right? And here's how that would work. So there's a researcher at a, at a big university at Harvard, right? And he does this study. He just wants to know, are, are unfiltered cigarettes really that much worse than filtered cigarettes? So he does this little study with 30 or 40 people for, you know, six months or whatever. He got a grant. And so he had to spend that money, right? So he does his little research and he finds out that, you know, that uh, filtered cigarettes are 9.7% better than unfiltered cigarettes for whatever we'll say the end point is, right? Doesn't matter. So he publishes that in some little obscure medical journal. And then a review process takes place. And then somebody says, oh yeah, the, you know, he did this study and it looks like that filtered cigarettes are a little better than unfiltered cigarettes for your health, right? And then the news picks up on it. Because, and, and so you guys know that news correspondents are, are ignorant when it comes to how research works and all that stuff. I'm not, I'm not being mean. They just don't know. They don't know that, that correlation doesn't prove causation. And so they get on the news and say, filtered cigarettes have been proven to be good for you. Now, is that what his study showed? It's not even close to what his study showed. And he may even fudge a little in his conclusion or in his summary, and say it looks like, and he may even use that language, but less bad doesn't mean good, right? And we all know this from our diet, you know? If you can't afford grass-fed, panda-massaged <laughs> beef that was raised in the, uh, you know, the, the Andes, then you just buy regular beef from China Mart, you, that's just what you do, right? Is it as good as the panda massaged beef? Well, no, probably it's not quite as good, but it's still better than spam, right? And so there's this hierarchy of betterness, and that's something there's, there's really no black and white in anything that, in our life, really, mostly, with when it comes to this kind of stuff. Filtered cigarettes are a little less bad than unfiltered. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. But are they good? No, of course not. Repetition leads to belief. And so when you've heard this 50 times, you finally go, well, crap, I guess, it's, I guess so. Yeah, I guess so, right? And so we've got a great example in history of a very intellectual country, a very refined country, a very civilized country being told big lies enough times that they literally did some of the most atrocious stuff in the, in the history of humanity that's ever been recorded. And I mean, they were not dumb people. They were, not, they were not animals. They were very civilized, very intelligent. And you see, we can look in the history books and see what happened. So repeating the lie often enough, it leads to belief. Now, let me tell you about this guy. Who knows who this is? Semmelweis. So you guys know the story? Okay. All right. Okay. So let me, let me go into a little more detail about it because his story is really fascinating. Young doctor, very intelligent, right? Look at him. I mean, he's, he got a tie. Look at that little tie. Right? Got a little stash. I mean, he's, he's got it. He's a young doctor. He's running and gunning. And so he's, there are two hospitals in, in Austria, one for the poor women and one for the wealthy women. And I think the, the death rate from childbirth fever was actually higher in the expensive hospital. But it was, and so he's, he's practicing in both. And he says, you know, I think I'm going to start washing my hands. Because back then, they didn't know about the germ theory of disease. They didn't know about bacteria, viruses, any of that. They didn't know why people got sick and got a fever and died. They just knew it happened. So he says, I'm going to, you know, after I get done in the morgue, 
dissecting dead, rotting bodies. I don't think they had formaldehyde back then, so it was literally putrid, right, decaying flesh. That's what he was touching. And then they would literally go from, straight from there. They might wipe the chunks off. <laughs> but then they would literally go to labor and delivery and deliver babies. No joke, because they didn't know about germs. And so he said, you know, it seems like it might be a good idea if we washed our hands in this little noxious solution. That might not be a bad idea. Well, yeah, it was a great idea. Obviously, duh, right? So the infection rate was so low at the hospital where this was kind of done that the wealthy women started trying to go into labor in the street so they'd be taken to the poor hospital because everybody in town knew the infection rate was that, that much lower there. Because women would get childbed fever and nobody knew what to do. They would die. And so you'd have an orphan just because she had been infected because the doctor had just come from yanking out a spleen from somebody who'd been dead for two weeks. That literally happened. Now, so you're thinking, well, that's crazy. Those guys, that was standard of care. Back to that, right? That was how it was done. These guys had white coats so long you would step on it as he walked, went down the hall. They were respected eminent. I mean, Austria, genius, genius medicine, all kinds of medical discoveries came from there, including this one, Similize, right? And so he actually published his work. It was published. And Westman had a little trouble with this. He's like, no, it's right. Here's my research, right? And they were all like, yeah, that's dumb. We're not doing that. Okay. This poor fella was run completely out of medicine. He was admitted to an asylum and the guards beat him up when he was just there and he got an infection from the wounds and he died at 47. And he was right. And he was right. Get that? He was right. He's now considered the father of, you know, hygienic medicine. Wash your damn hands. Right? But all those guys, the guys that ran him out of medicine, were they evil? Was it a conspiracy? No, it was just human nature. He was fighting, he was fighting human nature, and he lost. And that happens sometimes. Do you miss ketchup on your low-carb, high-fat, ketogenic lifestyle? Then let me introduce you to AlternaSweets, AlternaSweets.com, the healthy option for ketchup. It's sweetened with stevia and has the highest quality non-GMO ingredients. There are no artificial ingredients at all. In fact, there's no added sugar of any kind and keto ketchup that actually tastes like real ketchup. Guys, I have been using this and it is now my favorite condiment in my kitchen. Alterna Sweets offers free shipping on all U.S. orders and there is a 100% happiness guarantee. If you don't love it as much as Jimmy Moore does, they will refund your money and you don't even have to send it back. Again, it's called Alterna Sweets. Head on over to AlternaSweets.com and you can get your hands on this keto ketchup. Alterna Sweets. Yeah, getting healthier, trying to start. You heard all the Ketonians talk. Kiss my keto, high and fat. Oh, yeah, low carb. Check it out, so official. Nothing used that's artificial. Products full of electrolytes. Raise your ketones, get you right. Woo, everything on the label. Oh, yeah, 100%. What's listed is what you get from the foods to supplements. Healthy mix of all the fats, few carbs. I'ma be real, and the new ketogenic bar. It's a meal that'll get you far. Yeah, kissmyketo.com. Use LLVLC for 20% off. $50 purchase or more on one order. Yeah. Look at this volume ad. It's appeared in a medical journal. Psychic tension. That's what women used to have when she, when, when she was expected to, to cook everything and wash everything and take care of three kids and, and have no life of her own. She had psychic tension. That's what doctors diagnosed. That was standard of care at the time. And when Valium and, and all those benzodiazepines first came out, the drug reps told doctors, these are not habit forming. These are really great because they work like magic. And, and any doctor who's prescribed, they work. There ain't no doubt. They work great until you go to rehab. <laughs> right? <laughs> but we all know what happens if you take Valium for too long now. But the drug reps literally 
told the doctors it's not habit forming because they had a couple of other things that they could give back then were very habit forming. This is not habit forming. It's a new class of drugs, benzodiazepine. They're not habit forming. And so every doctor's like, boom, let me get my tool that I know how to use out and start prescribing every woman Valium. No joke, that happened, okay? Now, let me ask some of our, our, my colleagues a question. If we just keep going the way we're going, Dr. Westman, how many years is it going to take for an ancestral low-carb, high-fat diet to be the recommended standard of care for the average doctor in the average clinic for the average patient? If things just keep going like they're going, how many years is that going to be? Just a no, it'll come. It, it has to come. Look at this room full of people that came here of their own free will. It's going to happen. But how many years? How many, how many years are doctors like Semmelweis going to get pummeled until finally it just becomes self-evident and everybody starts talking about it? What do you think, Ted? How many years? 20 years? What do you think, John? 20, 30? Yeah, that's my guess. 20, 25, 30 years from now it will be considered self-evident that we should all eat an ancestrally appropriate low-carb, high-fat diet. That'll just be like, well, duh. What kind of dumb question is that? Of course you should. That's what every doctor will just know that. They'll know it. And it'll happen. It's, it's a very odd thing when this happens. It's happened multiple times in history, and, and you can go back and read about it, and it's like, wow, like the tulip mania. You guys ever read about that? It's ridiculous how humans are just crazy things. We're crazy beings. But yet we have just enough logic and, and rationality that we can kind of get by without killing us all, right? But then at the same time, we just do the craziest things. And so that's why I'm about to shift this, and we're going to start talking about you, okay? Because this is, this is really about you guys. Because Dr. Westman's doing great work, and he's publishing, and he's researching, and he's, he's spreading the word but he's punching the water. He's trying. Ted on, on Twitter fights every day. If he fought like that in, in real life, he wouldn't have a tooth in his head. Right? But he's fighting the fight. He's fighting, but we're punching water because we're fighting human nature. But we got a tool now that they never had before. Semmelweis didn't have this tool, but you do. Okay? It's coming. It's coming. We're closely approaching the tipping point. Can you guys feel it? Right? It's coming. So what should we do? What should you guys be doing? And now I'm not talking to any of the, the, the experts in here. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you sitting in your chair right now. What should you do about this? There are things you can do. There are things you should do. Because you've heard the bell. And you can't unring the bell. You can't unhear that. You heard it, didn't you? You all heard it. And you can't unhear it now. So what are you going to do with that? You're just going to take care of your own self and to hell with everybody else? So this solution to this dietary ignorance that we're suffering from right now is not going to come from the top. It's not going to come from the AHA. It's not going to come from the ADA. It's not going to come from the AMA. The president of the AMA could get on Fox News tomorrow and end all of this, or at least damage it so much that it would be over in a year or two. Could. He could do that because he's at the top of the pyramid. He could literally say, okay, I got to come clean with you guys. And this would start changing very quickly. And we, we could all just live our lives and not have to fight this fight. But that's never going to happen, okay? This is going to be grassroots, just like it is right now. It's going to be this, it's going to be you guys and the people that you talk to. That's what's going to move this paradigm. That's what's going to help me change the curve of the diabetes epidemic. Because that's my goal. I don't know if you guys know that, but my goal, basically, I practice in the unhealthiest county, in the unhealthiest state in America. And I was like, I ain't that bad. <laughs> Wait a minute, What? And I, got, I started looking at the research in and, and, and Benton County, Tennessee, and Tennessee in the U.S. are at the bottom of everything when it comes to, to, to obesity, to smoking, 
to heart attack risk to to uh, CVA risk, every every kind of morbidity and mortality sky high in my state and in my county. And I it ain't my fault, I swear. <laughs> but it, it was kind of a watershed moment for me. It was like, no, that's it. I'm done with that. Mm-mm, I'm not having that. And so it's my mission to change. You know that curve, the Alzheimer's curve. The autism curve, right? The, the diabetes curve. Mm-mm. No, I'm done with that. I'm going to fix that. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm here to do today, and that's what I do every day is I'm fighting that curve. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be laughing and high-fiving Nisha the day that that curve does this, right? You imagine that day when, that, when the, 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 new, the new data comes out, oh, there's been a 10% decrease in type 2 diabetes. Hmm. Yes, that, but that's my goal. And I know that's, that's kind of a big bite to chew up, but. Thank you, thank you. So here's what you guys got to do, okay? You ready? Because I need you to help me. All the docs in here, we're doing, we're doing our part, right? How many do we have? Four on this trip? Four MDs? Six MDs. So we're, we're here. We're with you. We feel you, okay? We know. We heard the bell. We heard it, and we can't unhear it. And so that standard of care thing that I talked about earlier, Semmelweis, remember that story? That applies to us six as well. At any point, the state medical board could say, uh, Dr. Lomansky, we need, we need to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, Ted, put Ted, put down your phone. We need to we need to talk to you in another room, right? That could happen, and all six of us, if that does happen, we're screwed. It, we have there's no defense. There's nothing we could say. They could say, "Are you are you telling your patients to not take a statin?" Well, yeah, and let me show you all the research. Are you telling your patients to eat bacon? <laughs> well, yeah. Here, here's the research. Mm-mm, you're done. Yeah, here's a, here's a $25,000 fine. You're on probation for three years. You get to go out to do all these programs, and you get to do this and that and this and that and that. That could happen to It could already be there, Ted. It could already be on your desk waiting for you to get home. <laughs> right? Am I right? Literally, it could be there. I mean, I, it could be on my desk. As soon as I get home, I'm like, well, there it is. Okay, but I'm a little different than most docs, and these six docs that are here, we're all kind of different. Because you know what I would say? If I got home and that was on my desk, poor Nisha would die. (laughs) Every time I say this, she's like, could you please not say that? (laughs) If that were on my desk when I got home, you know what I would say? Good. Let's do it. Let's do this. Please make me the next Gary Fick. Right? Please make me the next Noakes. In the, in the, let me be the U.S. Fedke. Please make me that. Let me fight that fight. Because I think I could, I could bend that curve way sooner if you did that. So that's crazy, right? <laughs> Every doctor in the room's like, dude, dude, no. What are you doing? Yeah, I know. Poor Nisha, right? She's, I guarantee your heart rate's 135 right now. Yeah. So here's what you guys can do to help me bend that curve and move the paradigm because we're, we're fighting human nature, multiple laws of human nature. That's what we're doing. And we're doing it together. That's what we're doing, okay? So first you got to learn. You got to learn and you got to know what you're talking about, right? Because if you're wrong and you're, you're outspoken, you ain't helping nobody, right? But if you know what you're talking about and enough of us have seen enough magical things happen with the ketogenic diet or a low-carb, high-fat diet, we know we ain't wrong. We know. And so your job is to keep learning. Watch videos, read articles. You know you can go to PubMed.gov and you can look at any research study that's ever been published just like a doctor could. It's free. PubMed.gov. Go to conferences just like this. Create a very cohesive, strong family. That's what we're doing here today, isn't it? Right? That's what we're doing. You need this. You're going to need this because it's going to get a little worse before it starts to get better. It's my prediction. Maybe talk to your doctor. Because let me tell you what, there's a lot of doctors who know about the ketogenic diet. 
but they're not recommending it yet because of all those terrible things that I just talked about, most docs are very risk averse. Even if they know that, that putting leeches on people is stupid, they're going to keep doing it because everybody else is doing it. And most doctors we're taught in med school don't be the first or the last to do anything because you will be ground up in the gears of medicine. You don't want to ever be the first guy to prescribe a pill or the last guy to prescribe a pill. You don't want to be that guy. That's what we're taught, right? So talk to your doctor and you might be shocked to find he already knows about this. Who's done that? Talk to their doctor and they're like, oh my God. He's, he's like, oh, I love keto. Me and my wife are doing it. Yeah? Raise your hands. Keep them up. You guys look around. That many doctors? No. All right? So we're already making progress. It's happening. It's coming. Now, let me tell you this thing that I do that, and poor Nisha, poor Nisha. Your handle shouldn't be Nisha loves it. It should just be poor Nisha. <laughs> I know, right? So every time we're at a restaurant, and some of you guys had dinner with me, you heard it last night. Every time we get in an Uber or a taxi, I'm on my phone, right? Because that's what I do. And I look at the, the, the guy, I pull up a picture before and after, right? Off keto transformations or something like this. And I'm like, have you ever heard of this damn keto diet? What is, have you heard of that? And he's like, no, what's that? And I'm like, I don't know. Like you eat bacon and lose weight. I don't know. <laughs> and it's, they're always the same. They're like, what? No, that, ain't, that can't be right. I'm like, well, here's a picture. I don't know. This chick lost 125 pounds. I don't know. He's like, that don't sound right. I don't know. Have we yet to have a wait, waiter or a waitress or an Uber driver has ever heard of keto? Not a single one. And we, we travel a, a little bit. We go a lot of places, right? And we always use Uber. And I've yet to find one. And so that's kind of my shoeshine test. You've, you've heard of the shoeshine boys. When he starts recommending a stock, that's when you sell it. <laughs> because when, he, when everybody knows about a good stock, it's, it's not a good stock anymore. And I think that same law applies to this. When I start finding Uber drivers who are like, yeah, me and my wife did keto. I lost 80 pounds. That's when keto is mainstream. Right? And I think we're close, people. I really do. I believe we're getting there. But we ain't there yet, okay? Because right now, if you went to New York City and you just yanked a hundred random people off the street and said... What is a ketogenic diet? How many would, out of 100, what do you think? 10, you think? Under 10, yeah, four, two, one, that's what I would guess. I'd say maybe 5% would have heard of it, and maybe one could actually give you a coherent paragraph of what it actually meant. One out of 100, that'd be my guess, right? So the two things, that means we've got a big battle ahead. You can look at it that way. That'd be the stumbling block. Or you can look at it as a stepping stone and say, look at that market. Oh my God. Nobody's ever heard of this amazing thing. I can, I can have a website. I can start a YouTube channel. I can, I can make a product. I can do whatever. It's wide open because it's, it's almost there. We're almost to the tipping point, but we ain't there yet. That's a great place to be for people like you sitting in this room who you know. You get that? You guys know something that the rest of the world does not know. Think about that a second. You know a secret. What is, that's cool, right? But it's also frustrating. Because when you try to tell your mama, she's like, shut up. I want to hear that. I want to hear that keto crap. Right? But this is a very, it's a really good place to be in the, in the, in the, in the, human history. You always want to be right there, right? Look at you smiling. You know, you know, he's like, yep, that's a good place to be. I love it. All right. So next, so first you learn and now you're going to lead, but you're going to lead in a very specific way. Okay. The best way to lead is not to be loud and mouthy and pushy. You don't want to be a preacher. You don't want to be a proselytizer. You don't want to do that. You want to lead by quiet example. You want people to look at you and go, Damn! What do you what, what, look at? What have you been doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? How many of you guys have heard that question? What are you doing? Right? That's how you lead. That's a leader right there. Is just fix yourself. Everybody else will be going. What the heck are you doing? 
That's where you want to be, right there. That's how you do it. Passive resistance. For all the moms and the dads with children, this is how you do that, okay? Never do you say, from this day forward, this is a keto house. And we will not have Doritos, damn it. That's a, that's a fight. That's drama. That's stress. Cortisol. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Just forget to buy the damn Doritos. Unless your kid's got a credit card and a car. <laughs> They're kind of a captive audience, right? <laughs> and to my knowledge, DCS cannot be called yet because you forgot the damn Doritos. <laughs> I don't think they can. But it's probably coming. But yet, as of yet, you can forget the Doritos and be like, ah, damn it, I forgot the Doritos. I'll try to remember them next time. But I do have some blueberries and some broccoli. If, you, if you're hungry, if not, you know, run play. Barefooted in the yard, go earth, I don't care. Okay, passive, passive resistance. That's, that's so many revolutions. And if you guys don't, aren't aware of this, you're leading a revolution. You understand that. This is a dietary revolution is what this is. That's what's coming. And so you have to, you remember Dr. King, right? They didn't have burn downs or, or beat downs or breakdowns. They had sit downs. Passive. Just, oh, I forgot the Doritos, babe. I'm sorry. I'll try to remember them next time. But here's some strawberries if, you, if you're hungry, Right? That works so great. That's so awesome. How are you going to get mad at your mama? She's so overworked. She needs some of that Valium for, what was the diagnosis, right? <laughs> but she just forgot the Doritos. So you can't really be too mad, right? So you just eat the strawberries, and you're like, hey, those weren't bad. And you just moved the paradigm just a little, didn't you? You just moved it right there just a little bit. Share your story. You guys, I'll wait to ask that. I'll wait. you got to share your story, Okay. Even if you don't think your story is impressive, your story is, as, is, is impressive as hell to somebody, okay? Somebody that looks up to you, you have no idea, share your story. Share your story with your family gently, and not too often, right? Share your story with your friends. Share it on social media. That's the tool that we got that Simmelweiss didn't have. If he'd had Twitter, he'd have pulled a Naaman and he'd have been wearing their asses out on Twitter. <laughs> right? To the point where they'd have been like, dude, he, I guess he's right. He's crazy, but he must probably right too, so I'm just not even going to argue with him anymore. Right? Semmelweis didn't have that. That's why he wound up dead at 47 from a bacterial infection caused by, you know, if the guards had washed their hands in batons before they beat him up, <laughs> he could have lived, you know? Teach your doctor. So when one of you guys go to your doctor's office and you say, he's like, wow, you've lost 40 pounds. You look great. What are you doing? I'm doing the keto diet. The first time that happens, what's he going to say? That'll give you fatty liver. Really? Okay. Right? But this, what about the fifth time he hears it? He's like, well, that's, there's some kind of cult in town. I don't know. <laughs> Keto or something, I don't know. What's he going to do the 50th time he's heard it? He's going to look it up. That's exactly right. And what did you just do? You moved the paradigm. You see that? And you just woke another doctor up. How powerful is that? You don't need to be Westman to do that. You can do that. You can do that to your doctor. That's pretty cool, right? Because you might be that 50th person. Now, you may be the first one that he calls a kook. You may be that one too. But somebody's got to be first. And then somebody's got to be fifth. And then we'll get to 50. And then he Googles it. And then the cat's out of the bag. Because what, what did he just hear? He heard the bell. Damn it. And that's it. He can't unhear it after that. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Teach your doctor. Speaking out and asking. I have no damn idea what that means. <laughs> My ADD kicked in. I don't know, even know what that means. Okay, now, who knows what powdered butt syndrome is? No, come on. You do know. You do. Okay, okay, you do. Okay, so two people. Oh, my God. I get to educate so many, Jimmy. This is a very esoteric, rare thing. No, it's not, actually. It's so common, that, that it, but it does have a name. So if anybody, like if you're trying to teach a relative about the ketogenic way of eating, right? 
And they're like, okay, honey, okay, okay, fine, run along. If anybody, this is a law of human nature, now you need to remember this. If anybody has ever powdered your naked little butt, they ain't going to listen to you. You could come to them with a detailed plan to cure cancer and world hunger and be right. And they ain't going to listen to you. Because they've seen your little naked butt after you pooped your nappy. And that's it. You, you have no credibility with them. And that's just human nature. That's a law of human nature, right? And so there are some people you're not going to be able to talk to. They're not going to hear you, right? And so you might share a movie like The Magic Pill with them, right? Or you might share Naughton's movie, or you might share this really great website or this really great YouTube video. You might share that and just, I don't know, watch, then you can even be like, watch this. This this sounds insane. Is this real? Right? And then you don't, you don't pre, you don't poison the well. Because if you poison the well with, hey, this is awesome. You've got to, no, you just screwed it up. No, 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 don't do that. No, and you like, you've, you've done it, right? Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. No, 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 no. If, you, if somebody's ever powdered your naked little butt, they are not going to take medical advice, financial advice, religious, then nothing. They ain't going to listen to you. Sorry. You got to find another way for them to hear it because they're not going to hear you because you're still that little baby with a dirty diaper, right? Share. Word of mouth works. You can talk about this over coffee. That works, yeah. But like, like one of our speakers said earlier, you're never going to stop the epidemic with word of mouth. You can't, you'd have to live a million years, wouldn't you, Andreas? You can't stop it. You can't stop this epidemic. You can't ever bend that curve with word of mouth. But you can do it with social media, okay? Now, you can give 50, 50 of Jimmy's books to your local library, Right? You can buy 50 books and just give them to every library in the, in the county surrounding you. That'd be a great plan, right? How many people could you help by doing that? But the way you're really going to move the paradigm is with social media. In 13 years, I've seen over 20,000 pe- people in my clinic. In 13 years. Okay? In less than a year, I've reached over 110,000 people with my YouTube channel to the point where they subscribed. You feel that power? I ain't talking about me. I'm talking about social media. And so I really firmly believe that that's, that's how it's going to happen. And there are some people who, I feel like they're a little behind the times, but they're, they'll talk about social media. Oh, those aren't real friends. Those aren't, those aren't real connections. And you hear that sometimes and you read that sometimes. I don't believe that. I think it's just the next evolution. Okay? How many of you guys right now feel like you're among family? Look around. You feel that? Right? How many of you guys heard about keto or low carb for the very first time on social media or a podcast or, or YouTube. Raise your hand. Keep them up. Everybody look around. Now, did that have to be me that reached them? That could have been you sharing a Facebook post. That could have been you emailing something to somebody. That could have been you texting something to your mama and saying, I don't know, mama. It's crazy. I don't know. Check this out. Not saying, hey, this is great. You should do this. Don't, don't, don't do it that way. Right? Social media is the way this revolution will succeed. That's how it's going to work, okay? This is a keto family. This is a low-carb family. How many of you guys, when you got here, you saw somebody that you had never met in person, but you felt like you knew them? Raise your hands. How many? How many of you give them a hug? Look around. Look at these hands. Tell me that ain't real. Tell me that ain't real. Tell me that ain't real family. Tell me that's not a connection. You guys, you guys are changing people's lives. You're saving people's lives, okay? Because this is going to work eventually, right? 
Lemansky, it's going to, 25 years, yeah, it'll be self-evident, but how many, how many grandmamas will be dead then? Huh? How many dads will have lost toes in 25 years? Because they didn't ever hear this. Right? How many people will be on dialysis? How many cemeteries will be full in 25 years and they'll have to start a new cemetery because they didn't hear about this? So this is important. This is a big deal. This is a revolution. And you guys are at the front. You guys know. You've heard the bell. Right? And now you're going to intelligently, gently, lovingly share this with the rest of the world. And we're going to break that damn diabetes epidemic curve off. Yeah. So, there are different styles on social media. And you guys may be, you may have an account on every one of them. You may not. You may, you may have one you love and you hate all the rest, and that's fine. Pick the one that feels right to you. Pick the one. If you, if you like to be controversial and like to be a smartass, then go with Twitter. Right? <laughs> you know I love you. If you, if you like to, to share pictures and share stories and you like community and you like this and this, Facebook, let that be your thing. If you like to see pictures of people's food and show pictures of your food and be very, you know, very, very gentle and loving and just, just very non-judgmental, there's nothing, that's Instagram. You go there. That's where you fight your battle, right? If you love to talk and just won't shut up, Start a YouTube channel, okay? Eight months ago, how many subscriptions? How many subscribers did I have? Like a hundred? It wasn't even a hundred. It was like twenty. I had I had three videos of the Berry Girls, like pillow fighting, and then Nisha singing. She's a great singer, by the way. In case you guys didn't know that, she's going to kick Jimmy's ass later at karaoke. Bet, bet me. But if, if you're that person, if, you, if you've got a voice and you can, you can string sentences together and you like doing that, start a YouTube channel. And you don't even have to put any of your own content on there. You can just share other videos. You're like, boom, I love that video Felman did, man. I'm putting that on my YouTube channel. You can do that. Right? There's so many ways you guys can break that curve and help me break that curve and move that paradigm so that when we're back on the, the 2021 low-carb cruise, we can be high-fiving and celebrating instead of fussing and fidgeting because we can't get our mama to listen to us. Who's with me? Who's with me? Let's do it. Living La Vida low car, this show is changing lives. We talking about your diet, trying to get you feeling right. Cut up the avocados, fry some eggs, time to explore the longest running health podcast hosted by Jimmy Moore. Time to give up the crappy garbage. We're getting into ketosis. Every day is a new step to your goal. Yeah, you're getting closer. Motivated and focused. Don't stop, just go. Time to get inspiration from the Living La Vida low carb show. Hey, the Living Low Carb Show. Disc of Light.